Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrow Rest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrow Rest, the bowhunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, Jason and I are back home from our previous trip to Dallas. We spent uh, about three and a half days there at the Dallas Safari Club, had a really good time, and, and we're kind of reflecting back on our trip and thought what we would do is give you all listeners just kind of a little bit of a cliff note on what's going to be coming out in the next couple months based on our visit uh, in the podcasts uh, that we did uh, on that trip over in Dallas. So, um, Really exciting trip. Had a great time, oh, Jason. Yeah, man. Weatherby, Weatherby Awards as well as the DSC show. Man, that was just that was that was really awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome. And speaking of the, you know, the Weatherby Award, you know, that was kind of the chief reason why you and I were there. Is you know, Craig had invited us to to come and be a part of that uh, award with him and and be at the dinner. And you know, we were just we were there with basically everybody and anybody in the industry was there to support Craig. It Man, was just awesome to be there. I, I guess you could say for the hunting world, who wasn't there, right? Yeah. I mean, we we met some cool people, but um, you know, I mean, you and I talked to Adam Weatherby, um, Jim Shockey. You know, who else? I mean, there was there was pretty much everybody in the industry that was in the hunting world was there. Yeah, Gray Thornton sat behind us from Wild Sheep. I forgot um, about Gray. Yeah, I mean, there was 
there was a lot of people there. I mean, the list could go on and on, right? You talked to uh, the gentleman from the hunting consortium, uh, Bob, Bob Kern. Kern yep. So there was just a lot of uh, neat people there that you think of all the experiences that all of them, you know, have either had or, you know, even think about they've touched Craig to some extent throughout their career, which I think was neat when you looked across the room. I'm sure Craig invited everyone there for a reason because at some point throughout his career, I'm sure they've all been a part of, of what he's done and what he's accomplished. So yeah, there was generals, you name it. It was, it was happening in that, in that room. It was just, it was phenomenal. It was. Yeah. So kind of what we're going to do, and we're just going to spend a couple minutes and what we thought we would do for the listeners is just give you all, like I said, just kind of a, a little bit of an idea of what's going to be coming out here in the next couple months. Um, Jason and I completed, a, I think, a record eight podcasts in two days, <laughs> which was a busy couple days. Uh, but I think what we did is we, you know, we jammed in a lot of really good topics and a lot of good guests, and we just wanted to give everyone just a heads up on on kind of how that went. So, first podcast we did, uh, and to kind of tee it up, was uh, with Conrad Everts, who is really um, the guy behind the Craig Boddington Endorsed Outfitters program. I think, um, you know, you'll hear in the podcast kind of how it started, but um, Conrad kind of has been linked with Craig for about the last 10 to 15 years, doing a lot of his videography uh, and production work. Yeah, production work with Craig. Uh, And what a neat program. And I think what resonated with me was, is as you walked around Dallas Safari, you saw certain outfitters that had the endorsement and it kind of gives you that warm feeling that, you know, Craig's been there, vetted them. And that's really what the Endorsed Outfitters program is about. Absolutely. You know, the one thing that he had mentioned to us really fast for everybody is, you know, quality versus quantity. You know, they want to make sure that everybody understands that um, the people that they deal with are family-based quality experiences. And uh, they were mentioning it as the BEO, Boddington Endorsed Outfitters. Um, they were going to limit it to only a, a hundred outfitters. I mean, to me, that's just, that's amazing that they would limit their opportunities. But once again, going back to quality versus quantity. And then they had, right now at this time, they only had um, under 50. But at the same time, they were able to touch over 500 species. I mean, yeah. if somebody wanted to go hunting something pretty much anywhere in the world, I mean, they had somebody that they had, you know, wanted to, to recommend. And then when Craig jumped on just for a moment during the podcast, which everybody yeah. have to listen to the whole thing that to see neat. that. But, you know, his whole statement of, you know, would I recommend this to, to my friends? I mean, to me, that that touched me. Uh, deeply, really, because I think of all the experiences that I've had, and some of them good with outfitters and some of them bad. But when I hear that that from him, you know, that makes me feel safer and more secure. I'm not saying that something can't go wrong with a, a recommendation like that, but at the same time, you know, we we had we had that experience with talking with a couple of the outfitters that made me feel like, hey. I'd go with these guys if yeah. I was wanting to go that direction. And to your point, you know, I think they said they were like 54 outfitters. There was over a thousand exhibitors, right, at DSC. <laughs> so, I mean, you're talking, you know, at that point, 5% of them have been vetted by Craig. So clearly quality uh, is part of that. And, and to your point around the criteria, it was neat 
to not only see that on the website, but for Craig to come over, Conrad asked him, Hey, you know, what's your criteria for the, for the endorsement? He says, you know, what I recommend uh, these outfitters to my friends. So I think that really sums it up. Uh, You can find more information about the Craig Boddington endorsed outfitters. I think it's at craigboddington.com, right? And then it'll take you to an interactive website, which allows you to search uh, by continent, by species, really neat system that they've got going. uh, And uh, you can hear more about that when we uh, release that podcast. And that kind of that kind of ties us into uh, to the next one up on the queue, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. So number two, um, we met with the president of the DSC Foundation, who is actually also the past DSC actual president of the actual uh, um, the Safari Club, Richard Cheatham. Um, Richard uh, was a was a very interesting guy uh, in the fact that he had a lot of history um, back to when DSC broke apart from SCI in 1982. Um, kind of gave us a little bit of idea, you know, kind of where the name came from. He talked a lot about the convention in terms of you know the number of exhibitors, um, the planning that goes in behind that, uh, and then of course he talked about the foundation, which we talked about volunteers uh, in the membership process and. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge, oh you know, Richard gosh, yes. was, was, was definitely, uh, the right guy for us to talk about kind of the convention and the foundation. And, you know, I mean, being with the NRA and the NRA foundation, you know, hearing him talk about DSC and DSC's foundation, it was pretty, pretty exciting stuff for me. But I have to say, um, to all the listeners out there, you know, you'll want to listen to that show, but at the, the next level is talk about the show. Oh my goodness. I mean, like you said, basically a thousand exhibitors there, you know, 70,000 people going through the place. In my opinion, for an outdoor enthusiast, somebody that wants to hunt somewhere in the world, I mean, we're talking everything from uh, prairie dogs in Wyoming to, you know, Marco Polo sheep, you know, in Tajikistan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was everything and anything and everything in between for, for a hunter. So, I tell, you know, that was my first time at that show, and I would tell everybody from, you know, the bottom of my heart that if you're interested in hunting, man, you should go to that show because it was it was off the charts way cool. Yeah, and the feel of it, very low, felt like low pressure. You know, the exhibitors were there, um, obviously trying to market their hunts and prepare for the following year. But, um, yeah, my first time at that show, too, and uh, definitely exceeded my expectations uh, in terms of um, the quality of the show and uh, the exhibitors. Uh, and, uh, you know, just the, again, the feeling there felt really comfortable being in the room and, uh, Very you know, hats so. off to Richard, um, you know, Kim Rapoli, which we talked to him a little bit, who is over the uh, chapter coordinators There's nine current chapters uh, around DSC they're looking to expand. So just a neat organization out there that's, again, trying to push similar conservation uh, that we're all trying to do with, with a lot of the memberships we're a part of. So for sure, for sure. Okay, um, so day two uh, was a busy day for us, and uh, <laughs> to say the least, I think we, we did six podcasts on day two, but um, I kicked off the morning uh, with Rob Shaw, who is the president and CEO of Skullhooker. So most of you may or may not be familiar with the company, uh, but they're based in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and basically what they manufacture are European skull mounts. So um, you know, one of the things Rob talked to was, is, you know, the price of taxidermy right now is not getting any cheaper. Oh, my gosh. You know, and, and you go shoot, uh, you know, a, a tar in New Zealand and you want a life size or even a shoulder mount. I mean, you're in the thousands of dollars. But 
you know, he has designed a way to showcase, um, you know, European mounts, not only European mounts, but also, um, you know, skull caps um, on a lot of animals that have antlers uh, in a different way. And, uh, you know, part of what basically what he does is he's got a, he's got some product lines that allow you to, um, you know, basically drill into the wall, two holes, uh, put a base plate on, uh, and there's actually a swiveling um, piece of equipment that goes on there that allows you to showcase, um, you know, your European mount. Uh, and they're in different sizes. Uh, there's also a new um, product line that he developed, which is called the Trophy Tree, which I think is kind of cool that allows yeah. you to hang, you know, let's say you go to Africa and shoot six or seven, you know, um, you know, antelope plains game species, you know, you can hang those uh, off this tree uh, and it doesn't take up a lot of wall space, which is another reason why I think <laughs> Skullhooker is, is a quite an innovative thing is, you know, it allows you to take stuff uh, and, and uh, you know, there's actually a table hooker as well that you can set them. I know Wyatt's buck is, yeah. is on that as well. So, yeah, I've got, I've got a few, you kind of turned me on to their products and, and I ordered some and, and boy, I really, I really do like them and they're really easy to install, goes up fast and it's got a lot of different angles. So, you know, like, you know, my boy's got his nice black tail, which actually was shot pretty close to where those guys live just uh, the other side of the border mm-hmm. in California. Um, cause they're, they're based in uh, Klamath Falls, Oregon, but yeah, it was, it was really, really neat, neat company and neat products. So check them yeah. out if you get an opportunity. Yeah. So we'll release that one. Rob's a, a really neat guy and, uh, you can kind of learn a little more about how to install on the pricing, uh, and then some of the new product lines that they're offering in 2018. So you can find that information at skullhooker.com. Okay, right after that, um, it was funny, actually, right next door to the Skullhooker booth um, was the uh, the First Light booth. So um, I was able and fortunate uh, to meet up uh, with a couple employees of First Light, um, Ryan Callahan, who is the Director of Conservation uh, and Media Relations, and then Greg Farrell, um, who is more or less on the operations design around a lot of the R&D stuff. Um, we actually walked around and we're pretty mobile and walk through um, all the new releases that First Light uh, is put out this year. So at this show, this is the first year First Light has, has one, had a storefront where they're actually selling garments, and two, they were showcasing 34 new styles, which was their biggest release uh, since the company's That's inception. Crazy. So to come to a trade show and uh, you know basically take 34 new pieces of material and garment and and, uh, and showcase those was pretty incredible. Just to kind of highlight a few of those, um, they have a couple new outerwear systems. One was a soft shell system called the Catalyst, um, kind of a I mean really a, a kit used for three seasons. Um, Again, the intent of that is is to have something uh, that uh, you know you can wear kind of over um, your your base layers uh, and even over your your mid layer uh, apparel. They also had the uh, new Seek jacket, which uh, Seek stands for Southeastern Alaska. So if you think about uh, if you're in Alaska um, <laughs> and you're on Kodiak Island, right? What do you think? And it's probably going to be wet ninety yep. percent of the yep. time. So that's really what that that kit was designed that, for. That was a that was a neat new product that yeah. they had out. I mean, I, did, I even did the old scratch test because that's kind of my my indicator. And really, for a We'll call it a water-resistant system. I mean, that was about as as quiet as as you could possibly get. Really yeah. cool looking stuff, but yeah. that that's not what's super exciting to me. You no. already know what's coming up yeah. next. Yeah. So what what really I think you know it, when it was in the center of their of their release booth, but it was the uh, the Chamberlain down jacket that they're putting out. It's an yeah. eight hundred fill down. 
um, that's got the 37.5 Kokona material. So really what that does is it helps pull moisture away. Uh, it's got the DWR outer fabric uh, again, which, which really uh, limits, um, you know, the sound it's, you know, UV resistant, a lot of things, but, you know, down is one of those things that a lot of companies haven't really mastered. And, and this has been in, in quite a few years, uh, in research and development. And this year they're releasing that, that get down coats. I, I think this is going to be, a game changer in terms of, you know, I always was kind of concerned a little bit with first light and the fact that if I wanted to go to the North slope and hunt, you know, muskox yeah. or caribou, there's really not that next level of garment that'll do that. Yes. And this takes you to that. And then let me tell you, I mean, you know, that first light is, is a cool new company and it's got some neat stuff. And, uh, this particular jacket, I mean, I, I, I wear all kinds of different stuff, but that jacket to me reminds me of the, you know, you could pack it down into a small little compact bag. They said it's a, it's what, two ounces lighter than the comparable thing on the market Correct. And, and has more down by 20 or so percent. Yeah. I mean, that to me means a lot because I'm thinking, okay, that can be your pillow at night. That can be in your backpack when yep. you get up on the top of the mountain Start after glassing. hiking up there. You know, you put that on and keep yourself nice and toasty. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That was one of those products that I was just like, wow, that's all I could say. Is yeah. I think that's going to be a game changer. Yeah. And then just kind of lastly, they've redesigned some of their Merino with a spandex blend. So Merino X, um, they've also come out with the, uh, the new arrow wool design that's got, uh, that's got basically taken into consideration a nylon versus a poly so you don't get some of the pilling. So really they've, they've listened to their, their end users or listened to feedback and they're making changes and really excited um, to put some of this garment to use uh, in 2018. So, yeah, so you can check them out at firstsight.com. And uh, again, we'll send that, uh, we'll have that podcast out probably in, in, in the next few weeks because I like to get that out. So um, some of the folks going to the trade shows can see and also feel some of those fabrics. Okay, um, the fifth podcast we did, and you kind of set up and, and is kind of a mutual yeah. friend, someone that you know, and it's someone that I've known in the industry, but never got a chance to meet. Uh, but Backcountry BC and Beyond, who was run by Dustin Rowe. And yep. uh, again, most know Dustin, think of extreme, you know, throw a pack on your back for 10 days, going to BC in your, you know, in, in extreme big weather. Killing sheep, yeah. baby, killing big sheep. Yeah. So uh, we got to sat down with Dustin and both Dan Watson, uh, who is kind of his right-hand man, operations manager. Uh, and we just kind of talked about, um, you know, their business. He's taken on a new concession. He's now basically started his own uh, entity here, uh, and uh, he's kind of doing his own thing. And it sounds pretty exciting for him to do that. Absolutely. You know, I, I met Dustin years ago, and a young guy, and very enthusiastic. And let me tell you, if you want to kill a sheep, he's the guy that can make it happen. Um, he t- said his record, and now it's growing pretty fast because he's he's now got a, a whole concession. But he said he's uh, out of 121 sheep hunts, they've killed 117. I mean, think about that. Now that's over over 10 years, right? But talk about success ratio. Holy cow. And who knows, you know, of the, the four that actually didn't succeed, you know, was that 10 days of completely blown out weather? Was that, you know, a guy shots, maybe a a guy that missed multiple times, but wow, what a, what a success ratio Dustin has. And Dustin has always been to me, the epitome of that back country, hardcore individual. 
And, you know, I mean, Dustin's a small guy like myself, but I watch him put on those packs that look like they're 100 plus pounds. And I'm thinking, man, how does this kid do it? But he is just an absolute machine. And with his new concession now um, in, in BC, I think he is unstoppable. I mean, now he's got moose, caribou, goats, you know, of course, sheep. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, backcountry BC and beyond is going to just skyrocket. And I'm really super excited to to have to see that watch watch that happen yeah you know? absolutely i'm sure we'll run into dustin uh at the sheep show and then of course at the western hunting expo but uh, we'll try to maybe time that podcast and we send it out to kind of help promote what he's doing but yeah backcountry bc and beyond uh, you can find him online and uh yeah just a just a neat just a neat little podcast we dustin did with those guys. all yeah. you gotta do is, is is google the kid and man yeah. let me tell you you're gonna be impressed by that guy yeah. Uh, so then in the afternoon, uh, we were able to catch up uh, with a couple of uh, friends that we made uh, during the course of the show. Um, both Jay Landecker and Phil Macero were um, two gentlemen that we met uh, at our table that Craig Correct. had set us with uh, at the Weatherby Award dinner. Um, Phil's wife, Suzanne, was also there as well. Uh, and uh, We won't talk about her spilling wine on me, will we? No, we'll leave that out. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll leave, leave that, that out. End of the podcast that we actually <laughs> did. But, uh, you know, it was neat um, that, you know, these guys, pretty busy guys, come to figure out um, they got a lot on their plate, a lot going on. And it was neat that they were able to carve out some time for us to just sit down and really just shoot, shoot it with them, shoot right? The breeze, That's how we shoot did. It was, it was, that was our, that was our campfire concession speech that we just went through and had a great time. Yeah. You know, I, I had heard uh, of Phil, of course, because he writes, um, actually, we'll say he is a gun journalist. Isn't that the term that Craig used? Yeah. I'm a, we may have to hold that against Phil uh, okay. one day. We if... might have to hold that against him. But, you know, he's an outdoor writer. He loves the outdoors. That's what he does. His wife does a lot of the videography work or photo shoots for him. He even credited her as being a much better camera person than he is. But that's how I knew Phil through the NRA because he, he writes a lot of stuff for us. You know, and and really, once I met him, you know, you could tell he's just a down to earth, cool outdoor guy that likes doing all that stuff. But then it was funny because he he and Phil had or excuse me, he and Jay had that really goofy relationship. You know what? They were talking about they're going to Botswana, right? Yeah, they purchased a Botswana hunt that day when we saw them. So. Yeah, they're going to go goof around there and that's going to be a little bit of fun. But Jay, to me. Um, strikes me as the guy that that lives the dream, right? Took a risk, right? I mean, he's a young guy, and let me tell you, when he he started talking to us, I mean, I didn't necessarily know him, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, man, this this guy's been there, done that, and the stuff that he knows is just off the chart. I mean, now who's he working for? He's Hall and Hall is a large ranch brokerage company. Um, you know, I think they're they've got an office in, in Montana. He works, I think, in the Texas area now, basically doing the same thing. Uh, but when when you hear the name Hall and Hall, and he said that, I was like, okay, we're not dealing with the twenty acre ranch house. You know, we're dealing with the forty five thousand acre ranch with the thirty three thousand square foot home, Woo-hoo. which was like you know the guest home. I mean, the, yeah. these are multi million dollar you know estates that that he deals with. So, and you know what what really surprised me about Jay is his early career was he said I always wanted to be a professional hunter, and so what he do. He turns 18, 21, packs his bags, and takes off for Africa. Yeah. I mean, how many people do that? I mean, it's it's like 
I always said I wanted to be in the outdoor industry. And so that's was my goal was to do that. But, you know, to actually just say, you know what, I want to be a professional hunter and just pack your bags as an American and poof, take off. And yeah. next thing you know, you're guiding in one of the best concessions in the world for big game hunting. He's hunting the big five all the time. And that's how he really got his claim to fame. So I take my hat off to the guy. I mean, that is just unbelievable. Yeah. He's what everybody dreams that, you know, one of these days when I'm going to do that, he just said, no, I'm doing that, yeah. period. Yeah, and the cool thing is that we won't we won't give up all the secrets, but both Jay and Phil talk about how they met Craig and, and really their relationship with Craig, which I think is neat because it runs pretty deep for those guys in Following terms the of, dream. yeah, I mean, hunting. It was funny when we were walking out of the, on, on Friday, we were walking out of the convention and on the big screen, you know, what was Phil <laughs> on, on uh, the tracks, DSC, across Africa. tracks across Africa. Yeah. Uh, and he was hunting uh, a Cape Buffalo and uh, we actually literally saw the, the, the take shot and then the, the, you know, the celebration afterwards. So that was neat uh, to see that. And uh, just to connect with those guys, you know, like you said, it was kind of a campfire discussion. Uh, but, yeah, we'll release that one, and, and you all want to hear that. I think uh, there's a lot of good stories, <laughs> a lot of jokes. We were plugging at each other. and uh, Yeah, you're, you're going to have to listen to that one to, to get all the innuendos off of that one. Just a lot of fun. So, uh, And then we were kind of closing out our day. Uh, we had a couple more left. Uh, we were fortunate to be able to sit down with Frontier Safaris, uh, both another uh, Craig Boddington uh, endorsed outfitter and also – um, we sat with the four of them at our table as well. So yes. there was there was uh, Scott and Freddie Birchall, who um, are the partners uh, in the business. Uh, and then there were uh, another gentleman and his, and his wife were there uh, as a part uh, of the Frontier Safari group. But um, it was neat to be able to carve out some of their time uh, and sit down. It was kind of funny because, you know, A, they're a Craig Boddington endorsed outfitter. So, you know, A, we know Craig's been there. Um, it was funny. They were actually referring to him uh, as Uncle Craig. Uncle so Craig. So as they were talking, you could already see this family relationship. And that's something that kind of came, you know, full circle in that discussion with them was, is about how they are a family. Absolutely. And on the front of their brochure, it's their family. It's Scott and Freddie and the rest of the family uh, along, obviously, in talking about Craig in that. But just a neat little outfit and uh, I think a, a place that would be, um, you know, need to go check out sometime in the well, future. And, and, and you said a neat little. I, I kind of probably have to recategorize that because uh, actually they have three different ranches. Um, they're kind of a destination location hunt. Um, for me, it's a really kind of a neat thing because they have their main operation is in the Cape of South Africa. And they said that that's a huge concession that they have there. Their their family, which this is something that we kind of both found out, and we'll just give you a snippet. But if you think of the last name and then you think of Zebra, now you could probably tie together, possibly, without listening to the podcast, how an animal like a zebra got named. So that's kind of that was some interesting information. But the cool part to me, besides the Cape concession that they have is they had uh, a couple of places up in Namibia. You know, Namibia is, is always been considered a, a very rural um, place to hunt. So for those people that are thinking about hunting, you know, okay, so say you go to California, which everybody knows is a pretty populated area to hunt black-tailed deer, this would be the South Africa of 
of the hunting world. Then now you look at Namibia. Well, Namibia would be like going to Wyoming population-wise. It's a very rural setting, um, but at the same time, they have two fantastic ranches, and their packages that they have available for sale really were some really great financial packages Mm -hmm. and a lot of what I call bang for your buck when it comes to to Africa. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I know that the podcast is going to be awesome. The guys were really great. And, and like you said, you know, listening to them refer to uncle Craig, he's part of their family. And that's really one of the things when you go back to, uh, you know, the Boddington endorsed outfitters is that's kind of one of his criteria. He really likes those groups that are, you know, family owned and, and the whole family's involved in it. So to me, it makes me feel so much more comfortable because like Elon Safaris, which, you know, I know you're going to have them on later on, you know, sometime on the show here in the next couple of months, um, you're going to see them. They're the same way, you know, their dad started it. The brothers took it over and now it's blossomed to where it is. So super exciting stuff. And, and I think everybody's going to love the, the, uh, the frontier safaris uh experience yeah for sure so we'll get that one out and again their web is www.frontiersafaris.com if you want to check them out uh, before we get that out but again just a a neat podcast like you said and excited uh, to get to know them a little better and maybe one day hopefully uh, visit their uh, visit their uh, safari okay and then lastly uh, we rounded out our trip um we actually were, were out uh, having dinner, and we kind of tell the story in the podcast, but um, we ran into two gentlemen uh, from a company called Osprey Global. They're actually an optics company. Um, funny enough, they were actually a boresight company, which is something we didn't even get into in the discussion, but they actually have the patent on the original boresight uh, that was designed many, many years ago. But um, Will Burke and Luke Henry uh, were the... Uh, Basically, the folks at the booth, Will is the son uh, of the owner, um, and then Luke, uh, I think, was in some type of product development with them. Um, But it was just neat getting to, A, know them a little bit, and then we went to their uh, booth on on Friday and um, got to look at some of their products. And, you know, we, you know, they were telling us basically about their scopes. Next thing you know, you're looking at, you know, 56 objective, 20 power scopes, binoculars, razor, laser range finders. I mean, they are what I viewed as a cost effective, you know, optics company with a lot of features that you get with some of the higher end optics at a very, very good price. I mean, it, it was amazing to me how many different product items they had. Their their product line was way far and beyond whatever I ever imagined. But you know, uh I have to I have to bring in some of the fun side of the conversation. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean Will, he he being the owner's son, which Luke always pointed out, hey look, being the owner's son, that's not actually a title of a position in a company. Yeah. You know, but that's how he introduced himself. I could tell before we were getting ready to do the podcast. I mean, he was running around there, and he looked nervous. I looked over at Luke. I said, is he afraid to do a podcast? He's like, yeah, I think he might be a little bit, you know. Well, he's so, afraid because his heroes are all that run podcasts, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Oh, man, he his man crush on Joe Rogan. Joe, yeah. if you're listening, I'm, I'm pre-warning you. You know, <laughs> you want any products from Osprey, just got to contact Will. He'll trade yeah. you out for uh, supplements any day of the week. Just about anything. But oh, it was a much. neat discussion. Um, you know, we spent about 20 to 30 minutes with them and just got a better understanding of a couple products that they feel are, are kind of their flagship products. And, uh, 
Um, you know, again, they do a lot of gun shows and they do a lot of trade shows uh, is really where you'll find their products. But um, not best, just... best deals, he said, you know, if you want a good deal yeah. and they're back to that family organization. Right. He said that they, they have like 40 different families that are all working for for them. And that's yeah. what they do. They go to gun shows and they sell optics at gun shows. And I was real. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to steal the thunder, but, you know, that that. AR platform scope that they showed you. I think that's 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 a pretty cool thing for yeah. the price point. I Absolutely. mean, it's nothing out there like that. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up um, the discussion that we just wanted to have today. So yeah, we did eight podcasts in a couple of days, and our plan is, is to is to kind of set up a series, and when we get these out in the next couple of months. Um, with that, Sheep Show's coming up in a few weeks. <laughs> we got some folks there uh, that we got lined up already uh, to catch there. And then uh, about a month after that, you and I will be driving to Salt Lake for the Western Hunting Expo, which is probably kind of the you know one of the funner, I think, expos, just based on the fact of the amount of hunts given away. And you know, a lot of the guys that you and I commonly know in the industry are are at the expo. So, and you know, I'm I mean, the NRA is going to be there. I'm working actually to the for the NRA at that show. And but man, oh man, I mean, that show is going to be really fun. Yeah. To go to. But to just kind of wrap up um, our trip, you know, this was again really about you know Craig and and uh, being there for him and BEO and just fortunate to. Uh, have been at the Weatherby Award dinner and uh, and uh, was able to celebrate with him and and uh, really just for his accomplishments and what he's done. Uh, you know, his speech was second to none, and I've actually I was able to video that, and I'm going to work on editing and, and maybe put out a little uh, publication of that. But um, it was just a neat week to be there, and Absolutely. Uh, just had a lot of fun, and uh, look forward to uh, you know getting these podcasts out, and uh, a lot of good information is going to be coming out with these. So yeah, for those that are those that thought anything that we just talked about is cool, which I think a lot of you will, you got to check out the main show. This is just a snippet to let everybody in and, you know, kind of do a little little fun rerun because it's all so fresh. And while we might be a little jet lagged from flying all over and changing time zones, I have to say, man, that was that was a that was a fun experience that we had. I mean, yeah. Great show. Great people. I mean, OK, food service probably wasn't that great, but we won't go into that story. Hey, depends on where you eat. Everything else was good. <laughs> Everywhere we went had elk except except the House of Blues. So. Yeah, House of Blues. What blues it was. Yeah. So anyway, um, thanks again, Jason. Um, thanks, listeners, for tuning in on our just little campfire session here. We just wanted to, again, give you all a heads up on what's coming out, uh, and we'll plan to... Uh, basically put these out in series in the next couple months and, and uh, hope you all subscribe uh, and listen to the RNA Outdoors podcast. Thanks, Jason. Rock and roll, baby. All right. Take care, listeners. Peace out.